Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Lisa Marie Plasky from Upside Thinking. Lisa is an award-winning leadership expert in human behavior and has received accolades from the United States Small Business Administration and the International Alliance for Women, recognized as one of the top 100 women making a difference in the world. She left her federal law enforcement career after 9-11 to build Upside Thinking. She is a member of the Forbes Coaches Council and has trained or coached over 100,000 leaders around the globe. My name is Stephen Holastic. I'll be your host for today, and I'm co-founder of Financing Solutions. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range. One company was on the Inc. 500 fastest growing, and another one was number 1126, so 1126. And during that time, I learned how hard it was to deal with commercial banks. So we started financing solutions over 10 years ago. I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit, credit even just for unexpected emergencies. Our line of credit program is easy to get in place and expensive when used and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. It's FS as in uh, financing solutions, credit or call us at 862-207-4118. So Lisa Marie, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me. So today's topic, uh, you know, it's it's something that's discussed, but rarely until an entrepreneur is farther along in their journey with their company when it's grown, do they get a chance to really focus in on it. And today's topic is how business owners can show courageous leadership. And so we'll get a little bit more into what that word courageous leadership means versus just leadership. Um so let's start off right there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you mean when you say courageous leadership? You're 100% right, Stephen, where there is such a focus on sales and hiring and marketing that it's further on in the career till somebody gets to bring up leadership. And when I opened my business 18 years ago, I was in a a place of wanting a shortcut. I had a background in federal law enforcement and criminal justice, human behavior, and opening a business without a business background or understanding, even having connected with anybody who had a business. For me, it was figuring out what are the shortcuts. And so I started to interview individuals that had successful businesses, leaders in nonprofit industry, larger corporate entities, and ask them, you know, what it was that was most important on their journey to get to where they were. And in these informational interviews, there were seven pillars of leadership. Quite a few years ago, I realized that with those seven pillars, There's also this unique brand of leader that I describe as the courageous leader that is in that 
that top 1%. They take risks. They they exude a completely different operating system than all leaders. And with regards to that, I describe them as the most courageous leaders, those who are the biggest, uh, who, who take those risks. And what do they do? I, I wanted to really understand. So I went back to those informational interviews and started to have conversations with people. And in those conversations came up with three elements that really described what these leaders embodied. And they were very different than what I had expected. Well, and what were those three things? The three were vision, vulnerability, and voice. And it was, there were components that were, that unlocked how that showed up. I just wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. You know, vision, there was this, this crystal clear clarity and nothing took them off mission. That clarity was of, of what it is that they were uh, wanted, where they were going. Everything was dialed in. And that vision is, was not, there was nothing nebulous about it. In the vulnerability aspect, they were unattached. And so the vulnerability came because they had such a depth of forgiveness where they really were not and I use the word attached because it's the, it's the simplest way to be able to explain it. They didn't, they did not allow, um, situations, experiences, anything to take them off that initial focus and the vision of what they wanted, including emotions. Um, and the, the third component was voice where they, had this ability to speak up for what mattered and, and do it in a way that was catalyzing and also incredibly magnetic to others. Um, not necessarily because of their, their personality, but truly because of what they were, uh, where they could take people. So, you know, I, I was, really fascinated because I was expecting something different. And, and, and the, the, the key that unlocked voice for me was, was fascinating in the research because it really was generosity. So, um, very interesting to, to, to be in the conversations and look at, you know, how do you do this? How do you, how do you elevate your voice? Where do, where do you use it internally and externally in an organization, especially when you're an entrepreneur and seeking to grow your business? Yeah. So I, I'm thinking two examples right now that it's interesting. I'm thinking of two examples and hopefully we have time to get to, uh, there's actually three I was thinking of that I'd like to talk about. Um, it's, it's interesting um, that you use the word courageous and I'll tell you a personal story. Um, I, I did, I've, I've mentioned it twice on my podcast that um, it, my wife uh, passed away unexpectedly last year. And, uh, and I, so I'm I started, sorry. thank you. Um, it's, it's, as, as most people could imagine, I was married for 26 years and you just, you know, can't imagine it's like, you know, 
someone saying to you, you know, you, you know, no one just dies out of the blue and it happened, you know, out of the blue. So, uh, it's just a terrible situation. And so I, I've been, I know this is a weird transition and I, and I, it's the word that leadership, it's courageous that caught my attention, not the leadership maybe, but, um, um, I am in a, uh, a grief uh, support group. It's this great nonprofit organization, and I meet with the support group every uh, two weeks. And um, and out of the twelve uh, people who are in my group, um, I, I, I'm kind of the we can use the leadership uh, word in this. I'm kind of the leader in that I I move forward th- faster than the rest of the group, mm-hmm. and so. I, uh, this is a kind of a short story and that is I, I started dating before anybody else did in the group. And, um, you know, when the people in the group ask me about it, I, I say to them, you, you have to be courageous because the emotions that are going to come up are going to, and, and when you're, when you're dating, from all different angles, it, it is really hard and you, and you have to be courageous and saying, I'm going to move forward in my life, which is the correct terminology. And, and although this is really hard, I have to be courageous and just, you know, move forward. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting. And I didn't come up with that word courageous until the last couple of days because I thought about what I'm, what, what I'm going through um, in, in the, when I'm dating and, and it's, it, it's rough. And so, you know, I, I, you know, what, you know, your comment about that in relation to courageous leadership, what, what would you say? Well, I, like I say, I'm, I'm once again, I'm, I'm deeply sorry. I, Thanks. that's not anything anyone should ever have to experience. And it's a perfect example. Uh, you know, courageous is not being deterred by, by pain. Like that's literally the definition. And I, yep. I, I, I get these, you know, angel bumps all over my body when I hear you say that and it's, and it's bravery. And so oftentimes the word courageous is defined in terms of, of um, you know, war or uh, um, badge of honor or, you know, in, in movies. And courageous to me is, you know, for some people getting up in the morning takes an act of courage. Um, and so I, I, I see that as, you know, the perfect example of what it looks like, even in looking at vision, vulnerability, and, and voice, which is to say, you know, this is not the necessarily the, um, the easiest route. This is the one that I'm really clear that for, for me, I'm going to, to, to step out and, um, and, and risk loving somebody all over again, or what that might look like for me. And so, you know, it, it's, a, it's the perfect. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, because like when you said that, I said, oh, I can see where vulnerability fit. I can see where voice, because uh, I'm speaking up to my group, you know, and letting them right. know, you know, generosity, you know, ever, ever since my wife passed, I, I, 
the amount of compassion I have toward other people is off mm-hmm. the chart, yes. you know? Yes. Um, and, and just for our listeners to know, and this, again, this, uh, I don't know if it really fits great in our conversation. It's, uh, the, and I just think I need to tell everybody to educate them. Uh, one out of every seven people in the United States uh, will lose a spouse or a, um, or a child. Um, so it's, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's not that way. A it's, it's one out of seven. It's, it's, it's a child will lose a mother or father or a sibling. One out of seven will lose that. And so what you, what you learn, what, uh, what happened with me was, was, um, you, I didn't know, you know, that this class of people existed <laughs> of, of people who've lost somebody who is, you know, that close, you know, it's different when you lose someone who's in their eighties and nineties and their grandma and grandpa, but you realize how many people it really, ha- this does yes. uh, uh, yeah. happen to. So now I'm starting to see where you're talking about as far as vision goes, you know, my vision is that I need to live my life and have, I've always been somebody who's makes the most out of my life. And, and so now I, I thought originally in your methodology of vision, vulnerability and voice where, where vision, I, I was like, okay, well, I don't really see my vision in this, but now I, I do see what it is. And the vision is I need to live my life because I might not be here tomorrow. And exactly. so I might as well have, I might as well have fun regardless if that's going out with friends, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, bringing my business to a new level, uh, uh, meeting another uh, 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 woman t- so that I can uh, have a, uh, you know, a great re- relationship with. So, so I think it fits that model that you're talking about a vision, vulnerability and voice. I, absolutely. When you said it, I, I, it's exactly what had me, um, have received these angel bumps because it's like you're you're speaking truth it's it's this is the courage that oftentimes i i feel doesn't get spoken about in business you know as business owners we're humans and entrepreneurs are dealing with with money and people's emotions and their own emotions and their own raising of capital in addition to team and each individual and their life experiences and what they're going through. Um, I have a company that I, um, that I, I do coaching with, um, they, they hire me to, to coach their, uh, team members and their executives. And interestingly enough, I had a conversation with the gentleman who brought me in and he was not aware that one of the people that's on my team at the end of July, excuse me, at the end of July, at the end of, at the end of, uh, um, two months ago was a spouse had a, had a stroke. And I thought to myself, wow, like, how does that happen? And so as we're talking about performance, well, of course, performance is a little bit off. You're dealing with this. Yeah. And so what you spoke about with compassion is that then when you experience something, one of the things about being courageous is also that you have the, the compassion for self and others to take the risk, to do whatever the the unexpected is. And as you say, you know, in, in your own circle to to be the one that leads the way and, and, you know, steps out. I I find that, you know, that is so relatable to, 
uh, situations in organization that entrepreneurs are dealing with every single day. And yeah, we don't speak about it. Yeah, what's interesting too is like I, I am in my nature a compassionate, very compassionate person, and before this happened, if one of my employees had lost their their wife or their husband or a child, which I don't think I've had that happen before. And I've had a lot of employees, um, which kind of breaks that one out of seven rule. Maybe I have, and I just can't think of it right now. Um, I just, you just, I don't, I would not have been as compassionate about it now that I've lived it and knowing what, what, what an employee of mine would have gone through, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. now I'm like, Oh my God, you know, like, like I would have, like, I don't have a lot of employees in, in the two companies I own right now. It's very small. And so, you know, like one of the, some of the readings I've done about is about, about bereavement policies and uh, that companies are now coming up with um, to make sure that they have companies that the employees think are great to work for. And now I really get it, you know, that a bereavement policy is, really kind of a smart thing to have in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other part is your most valuable asset is your team. Yeah. And when you are connected to them and having regular meetings and ask them about themselves, you know, the metrics to measure includes their health, happiness, success, and meaning. And I find that when I'm, whenever I'm, I'm coaching, I, I'll ask clients, you know, what, what are you measuring? What in your performance meetings with people weekly, what are you having conversations about? And if it's only about what it is that they, they, they do in terms of their tasks, then you're missing out on that barometer. That's actually going to gauge whether or not they're really giving you everything that they they've got and whether or not they're deeply connected to your culture. Yeah. And one of the things that, um, like I had heard about, uh, at one of these, um, seminars I had gone to a long time ago and I implemented it as a small business, you really kind of get to know, uh, your employees. And that's a key advantage versus a big company. And so one of the things that I had done in our, in our performance reviews, or not reviews, in our, in our meetings, um, in our weekly meetings or, or monthly meetings that I would have with each individual uh, employee, is I would, I, not only would I ask them what their goals were in their work, but I would ask them what their goals were in their personal lives. Yes. Because yes. through that, you know, I, I had an in. Um, I had an in to better understand them. I had a better in to, for them to say, wow, this is a great place to work because he cares about me, not just at work, but he cares about what I want in my personal life. Um, and you know, when you ask that goal, all different things come out. So you, you find out maybe that they have to take care of their mother who's elderly on Sundays. And so they spend the whole day doing that. You know, you find out all these other things. And I, I tell you what, I became a much better um, a manager when, and, and probably a much better leader uh, when, I, when I did that. Uh, you know, absolutely. And that goes to the, the element of, of vulnerability in it. I remember having an interview with a private equity firm that was looking at having me 
sit on their advisory um, panel, advisory group, uh, and advisory council. And in the conversation, when I brought something up and brought in an element of vulnerability, they said, you know, that just answered 18 questions for us. Mm. And we ended up going on to do some work together in, in a different capacity. And so it, it is where, you know, the empathy and the compassion and so many other elements get brought in. When you speak about the personal, you know, I, I can't say enough about that because even when I'm doing my leadership coaching work, I'll say, you know, I really want your business to succeed, but more importantly, I want your whole life to work. If only your business succeeds and and the rest doesn't work, well, that's yeah, that doesn't sound like a great life. Yeah, and I think most entrepreneurs forget that the I say the same thing. I say is, and I I put it in even different words. I'd say is by having a balanced life, your work will improve. You're you'll because I've been doing this for twenty. Exactly. I've been doing my own businesses for twenty eight years now. I have as much energy today as I did when I first started and just because I have a balanced life. And uh, so, and I think that's part of being a good leader is kind of being able to, uh, you know, kind of take a step back from what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not take yourself too serious. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, so let me, let me move on to that second topic. And uh, it, it's going to be controversial, I, I think. Um, whenever you talk about politics, it's going to be controversial. But, you know, right as the, as the recording of this podcast right now, we're in our third month of war with, uh, well, the, the, the Ukraine and Russia is in their third month of their war, right? Well, Russia against Ukraine. I, I happen to be Ukrainian, actually, and uh, but I'm not. I, I don't have any family in Ukraine. I'm third generation American, so it's not like I have ties to Ukraine. Only that the the idea that my grandparents came from the Ukraine to Ellis Island, um, and uh, and so so you know it is uh, it's terrible what's going on over there. But if you you know if you look at and I don't know if this is a great analogy. If you look at Biden versus Putin in this. Um, you know, you have, and I don't know if this is the best way of looking at it, but, you know, Biden has this vision that, that he's always felt that NATO is a strong asset to, um, to United States that, you know, we're stronger working together than we are, uh, separate, which is my philosophy too. You know, we're all connected, I believe. Um, you know, I think many times Biden shows a vulnerability, but maybe some of you don't know this and maybe it's just because I've had the death of my wife, but, you know, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, Biden's wife died in a car accident with two, two of his children, um, in a number, a number of years ago. And so he has, uh, he tends to have a lot of compassion toward people. And um, the voice of Biden um, also, um, he kind of, what he says is he's, especially because I think, you know, because he's 78 and I think he doesn't really care anymore. He says he's just going to tell the public as, as much as he can of the truth. Because, you know, I think he feels that the prior president uh, didn't do that, um, regardless if you think it's true or not. But you compare that to Putin. Now, Putin has a vision that the Ukraine should be part of Russia. 
Um, I don't think Putin has any vulnerability. I mean, I don't think he has forgiveness at all. And um, does Putin have a voice of generosity? I mean, we're not in Russia, so I don't know what we can do. But, you know, do you think Putin has courageous leadership? Oh, yes. <laughs> It took me a long time to get there. It took me a long time to get there. I I really appreciate it. And, and, you know, especially since you talked about, you know, NATO, you know, which is ultimately was a security alliance. I mean, that's really, you know, it was really about security. And that I don't know that they necessarily, um, I mean, that was, you know, many years ago. And, you know, and so I, I think when that was formed in 1949, a very different idea and vision of what that looks like. You bring up something really interesting in, in asking that question, and it it is, you know, those elements of compassion, those elements of empathy, those elements like does that really, you know, is that courageous leadership on its own? And the answer for me is, is, is no, you know, it, it's not. And so, you know, when, you know, by the definition of courageous leadership, you need all of those elements from, from the, from what I've seen. And so, you know, would that make, would that definition make Putin a courageous leader? The answer would be no. Um, because for me that in, in, in that research, in that top 1%, leadership in and of itself has to have followers. You know, you, you can call yourself whatever you want and give yourself whatever title you want without followers. You're not the leader. And so how I define courageous leadership from all of those interviews, they were people who had very beloved followers and also produced results. So it was the both and, and that was my curiosity was like, why, why do people, you know, is it, it what, because it wasn't the people that I interviewed weren't about being the most inspiring or the most, um, uh, you know, had the personality that was the charismatic leader. Um, so I shouldn't say that they were, they were inspiring, but they didn't necessarily have the, the flamboyant, you know, charisma that sometimes is associated with getting people to be excited about something. There was some of that. It's just that that wasn't a criteria in what I saw. It was more, you know, is this somebody who A, gets incredible results, drives revenue, and also has people behind them that really would do anything for them, would, would lay their life down for them. That's, that's a, to me, differentiated that, that like 1% versus all other leaders that were um, even in level five organizations performing well. But what is that kind of leader? And so, yeah, I don't. Well, I think, I think you're right in that. Um, I, I think that, if you look at uh, Putin, um, he's a dictator, right? Because and a dictator probably has a vision, but he has no vulnerability and forgiveness, and he has no uh, voice. He doesn't speak up for what matters, and he hasn't have generosity. So that wouldn't, you know, a, I don't think a dictator would be considered um, a courageous leader. Unless he had, you could have someone who has vision, vulnerability, and voice, 
and as a dictator, but it very rarely uh, happens because it seems that power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It Absolute just, power. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. And if we look at the president of the Ukraine and we look at those characteristics, the lens is yep. different. Yeah. You, I think you see vision, vulnerability and voice. Right. At least at least it appears that way. Right. right. We, we don't know. He, you know exactly. He's, a, he's an actor. Right. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I, you know, seems like he's very genuine. Um, and he's certainly putting himself in a bad position. He's not in another country, right? right. Uh, yes. Like it happened. What was in uh, in Afghanistan, where the with the uh, prime minister of Af- Afghanistan left the country. Left. Yeah, right? exactly. So that's not exactly vulnerability, and you know, and and uh, stuff like that. So, how, how do you think a a business owner? Um, can really f- learn and focus on on being the best courageous leader that ca- that they can be. That's for me where it goes back to those you know the the characteristics of like how it uh, how to unlock it or how to how to utilize it. And so for for vision, it's it's clarity. It's getting so crystal clear and dialed in. There are there is um, I. Every day there are activities, people, situations that get in the way of whatever it is that a business owner says they want. And it, it happens, I have a, um, my business coach calls it the force of average and whatever it is when it, when it shows up, but it's like you're going to a meeting and then something happens and you sit at your desk and then the phone rings and it ends up being something for you to take care of and it's taking you off course. And so to, to have that kind of crystal clear clarity and focus of where it is you're going, why you're going there, why, you know, who you are, what you want and why it matters. Ultimately being able to answer that. I, I find that lots of people can't answer those three questions. So be able to answer them, dial in and ensure that your, your calendar matches. And with vulnerability, you know, that what unlocks it is forgiveness. And so years ago, I sat down and did an exercise of were there areas in my life that were out of alignment? And I went back to when I was in grade school, like were there people, were there things that have happened that were that I held on to that were unforgivenesses. What were they? And I unpacked them all. And it wasn't something I didn't, I didn't go to anybody to talk about. I just literally got my journal out and did work on it and looked at those areas. And then there's a, a, um, a process that Dr. Sean Duperon created called accepting the apology you may never receive with her organization project forgive. And accepting the apology you may never receive, you can do as an exercise over and over again. And I have an annual conference that I've brought it into the conference and and brought it into places where I've had people in companies and do this exercise. And it's 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 incredible what actually happens as people will be sitting there. And, and share with me that they've been carrying this for 20 years and their load is lightened. And I'll, I'll say that, you know, after 9-11, that was a huge awareness of mine, how important forgiveness is. 
I'm often amazed. I'll go into an organization and somebody doesn't talk to somebody for 30 years because of something that happened that they don't even remember. And so what does that do for you energetically every single day? So really to unlock vulnerability, you've got to be untethered with anything that could potentially be be seen as something that you feel is unforgivable. Um, yeah, I would... Um- I would add to forgiveness on their vulnerability, compassion as mm-hmm. well. I think that's, um, I think that that's an important part of, of, of great business leadership as well. I mean, you know, and I, and I, I get like, you know, I think anybody who's not in a leadership position at all thinks that it's easy for a business owner or, you know, a president of a huge company to let go their staff. They think it's easy. <laughs> it's the hardest decision that yeah. anybody ever makes. It's yep. the last resort. Yes. Right? Um, well, some people might say no. I mean, I listen, I'm not I'm not I am not the president of um, General Motors. So so some people would say, "Hey, you know, you could you could cut your salary by 50 million dollars." You know, and that would be an act of compassion toward the people that are there. And I, I don't know what it's like to be in that position. I do know what it's like to be in charge of a $25 million company and to have to let go people. And I'll tell you this much, I, I don't pay myself if that's the case. You know, I, I make sure that I uh, cut all my personal uh, revenue uh, of salary before I start cutting, I get rid of other people. So, um, so I can't answer that for somebody who's in a real big position, but I would add compassion to the vulnerability part. Yeah, I, and, and, um, I agree. I agree. And for me, the doorway through compassion is, is forgiveness because it's hard to have compassion for your fellow human on the journey, your, your brother, your sister at work and you are holding on to a grudge or are angry about something that happened. That's true. And so for me, that's the doorway of where you, you actually are able to access that. You know, uh, I'm sorry, sorry. go finish what you're saying. I'm sorry. I I was just going to say, if you can see that, if you can see the person, you know, as another human that's got the same pains and stressors and experiences, then you're less likely to cast judgment and hold on to something for that's ultimately potentially harming you. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, a lot of our listeners are are smaller business owners. Um, they're under 10 million revenue. And, um, you know, when you're at 3 million or less, uh, you really, your business is, you know, you're still learning and it's, it's a work in progress. Um, you know, when you're at that 3 million and less, you are still working in your business. Um, you know, you're working in it, you are the business. And then after you get over the $3 million mark, and again, it depends on the industry you're in, you, you then start to be able to work on the business versus working in the business. And I've said that a lot. It's not my phrase. It's uh, so uh, by name Michael Gerber's phrase. Um, 
But at that point, what I noticed in myself when I first started was you start working on two other things and you start working on your managing skills and your leadership skills. And both of those things are learned behaviors. Don't you think, Lisa Marie? I agree. People ask me if leaders are born and I'm like, no, they're made like anything else through work. So, yes, there's no magic pill someone gets. Yeah, and that's why I like your methodology because if you if you say to yourself, you know, I haven't really focused on leadership yet as as uh, in my business. Like how can I be a better leader? I think if you just take your methodology of vision, vulnerability, and voice, and you look at that and you take, go sit down with a cup of coffee, spend an hour, let that caffeine kick in and start saying, well, what's my vision, which is a little bit better known often, but what's my vision. And um, then, you know, what is the vulnerabilities I have or, you know, how can I be for, how can I provide forgiveness? How can I show compassion? And then what's my voice? You know, how do I speak up for what matters? What's my generosity? That would go a long way in making yourself a courageous leader, don't you think? Absolutely. And for me, what I recognized with regards to generosity years, several years ago, somebody pointed something out to me and I was like, really? Always wanting to improve, continually hiring other coaches and people to walk this journey with me, even though I own my own leadership coaching and consulting business. And when I, what I really got was that um, the generosity that I was, that I had was what I would call situational generosity. And really, when you look at generosity to unlock voice, it means that you're, you, you once again, just like being unattached to the, uh, and untethered that you're willing to be vulnerable and share as a leader to your people, that you're also wildly generous with your ideas and others. And you're, you're not uh, attached to who gets the credit. It's a very different way when of, of leading in an organization that gives others permission to have wildly creative ideas and be in an organization that's innovative and others want to work at. So to be that kind of leader is, is, is rare. You know, I agree with you. I, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I had this girl who worked for me um, and she worked for me, um, for it for two different companies that I had uh, for 16 years. Uh, she's my, one of my best hires. Best I hired when she was 23. Um, she ended up being a second in command for one of my companies. And uh, she, uh, when Lady Gaga first came out, um, I, I I didn't know her that well. And and at the same time, um, social media was really starting to really blossom. And I didn't really know much about social media, not not really enough. Uh, and I went to her name is Christina. I said, "So, Christina, what's the big deal about this Lady Gaga?" And and she goes, "She's authentic. Ah, uh, yeah, she's authentic." And mm-hmm. she was the first person that I recognized that. And this is the key: Lady Gaga didn't invent the idea of being authentic. 
Lady Gaga, and believe me, it might be something else that Lady Gaga learned from her. I'm sure she learned it from somebody else. But she recognized that that's what her audience required. And so if I think if you look at leadership 50 years ago, I think that audience 50 years ago, like our, our parents, they thought leadership was tell me what I need to do. Yes. Right? The kids nowadays, they say, uh-uh. I want to know I want to know your vision. I want to know why we're going there. I want to know what's in the be- why why it's in my best interests. I want to know that you're being honest and you're telling me the truth and I want to know that you're committed to this because you're vulnerable and you and you really speak to up for the people who maybe, uh, you know, this might hurt. And uh, so I think it, I think the methodology that you kind of came up with to me makes a lot of sense for today. You're, you're so spot on about depending on the times, what's really needed. And so that's why the interviews were valuable to me because it's what's present in today's world and what's required today and it's a different it's a different brand of leader when i was in federal law enforcement and i started it was v- still very command and control and you know that was almost 30 years ago so just just different and we're seeing shifts every single day in, in leadership and in how generations want to be led are you seeing that uh that's something that's that's as ingrained in history as the federal law enforcement area. Are you seeing that their shift toward leadership is different now than it was? Uh, the org- if we're speaking about the organization as an entity, which is sort of like turning the Titanic, yeah. the answer is, you know, the answer is organizationally as a whole, no. Yeah. When we were speaking about the individual leaders that are recognizing what's important and what's valuable, yes. Does that mean all of them because the culture being so ingrained and it literally being in the air, you know, has seen a shift? No. However, you're seeing different mm, different conversations than you would have 30 years ago. Well, that's probably what's going to change the organization eventually, right? Yes. Yeah. It starts with the leaders that are there, not maybe always at the top, but it's a, in that situation, it's the, a bottom up approach. Yes. And so what's the tipping point? Yeah. The tipping point is they get a leader in the top who came from the bottom who had the vision, vulnerability, and voice, and then it transcended back down to the bottom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes well, a cycle. Yeah, yeah. Well, leadership is a. I think it's a very. If you if you get your company to a level where you're not working in it anymore, and you can you know work on the leadership aspects of your business, it's it, it's a very interesting topic, isn't it? Yes, because it's one that pays dividends that you can't even. You, you can't necessarily see. Yeah. I mean, you'll never see a great organization that grows with, with 
its head cut off with not a, right. not a great leader, right? Yes, exactly. Um, I mean, I think there's there are examples though of, of people's whose organizations, like no one would say Mark Zuckerberg is a courageous leader, you know, from Facebook. You know, it's not, I, you know, people look at Steve Jobs and say, oh, he, he was a courageous leader, but he, traded, he treated his people mm-hmm. horribly. He was the worst manager in the world to work for. And so you can't say that with regards to vulnerability and compassion and forgiveness. You just can't. So right. it doesn't qualify. Yeah, that's right. And that, well, listen, we are talking about a specific thing called courageous leadership, which is something that you, you're kind of uh, connotating. Um, you know, there, there's other leadership out there, like, like the Putin leadership that we want. It's a dictatorship, right? Um, Absolutely. So, it, you know, there, there are different types, but we're, we're exploring. And I think, I think, you know, my, who said this to me? It wasn't my father. So, Someone said to me about kids. Oh, I know. It was, I had a coaching parent. Believe it or not, we had a we, we. Although we're great parents, we. I thought it was so important that we had a coaching parent, and uh, he said to me, sometimes what kids do is they try something on for size as a personality, and they see if they like it or not. That's why you have to give kids um, room because maybe they tried on something that wasn't so good, and uh, and. Um, and and so you have to give them some room. And I think the same thing goes for leadership and, and entrepreneurs. Sometimes you have to try on this leadership and say, is that me? Um, and, and, and today's methodology maybe is one you can try on. I would like that very much because I would love to have a world full of courageous leaders. Well, I like the idea that they'd be vulnerable, forgiveness, compassion. They'd speak up for what matters and generosity. I think, uh, I think as people, we all need that, right? And you can do it with result, results. Results too. And I think it drives the results too. So I, I completely agree. So it was a great topic. Very interesting. A thought starter for a lot of our listeners. Um, today, uh, I'd like to thank so very much Lisa Marie Plasky from Upside Thinking for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Also, if you can, uh, if you like today's podcast or the other ones we've done, please give us a five-star review. That helps get the word out. The, the algorithms use those reviews to determine who should be moved up. And we would love uh, the Entrepreneur MBA podcast, which is very well listened to now by thousands of people. It's done a nice job. Um, so I'd like to get more people out there, of course, listening. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Lisa, if anyone, uh, Lisa Marie, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Go to my website, which is www.upsidethinking.com, U-P. S-I-D-E and the word thinking, T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G.com. And on the first page, on the homepage there, there's actually a link to be able to have a conversation with me. Great. And I, everyone should know I had a coach, a business coach for 10 years. So I believe in coaching. I think it's really made a big difference in my career. Uh, if our listeners are interested in getting any new business ideas, I tweet daily about lessons for business owners at S. Halasnik, it's S-H-A-L-A-S-N-I-K. 
And I want to thank you all for listening. And just remember, you can't be a good leader if you don't know what leadership skills are like. You can't focus on that if you can't stop working in your business and working on your business. So start thinking about it. Take some time off. Like I said, grab a cup of coffee. Think about it. Maybe put something down in writing. Start to learn about it. It doesn't come overnight. And you'll start becoming a better leader. So everybody, I want you all to have a great day. Don't forget to take good care of yourself. Your people are counting on you to be a good leader. And you got to take good care of yourself in order to do that.